looking at our identities. I want to pray real quick, and I just want to read 2 Corinthians 5 and let that sit over us. I'm going to actually read that first and then pray for us because I'll just tell you right now, the end of the day, all that I'm wanting today out of this is that we would press into the Holy Spirit and live out of that, the power and empowerment that only comes from Him. And so if the Spirit does nothing else but you hear these words today from 2 Corinthians 5 and He encourages you with that, that's all I want. That we would walk out as Spirit-filled missionaries. Like, um, I laugh with all the fans and movement here. It's like, I just want, I want it to be like that upper room where they were sitting together praying and just saying, we don't want to leave here until your presence is here and then with the rushing sound of the wind, that he would, we would know he's here and that he would go out and do things from us. And that, 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 that's the, the prayer I've been praying all this week leading up to it. And so that's just going to be my prayer after we hear these verses from 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 20. Hear this, Paul, encouraging the church at Corinth. For if we are beside ourselves... It is for God, right? This is an imagery right back to that upper room, right? When they walked out, what did they say? What's wrong with them? They're drunk. They must be crazy. They're filled with wine. So if we're crazy, if it seems like we're drunk, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. It's for our neighbors. It's for the people around us. Here's why. Verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves. That's us. We're no longer living for ourselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, so living out of that identity, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him this way no longer. Therefore, if any was in, in, in Christ, those here who are following after him, we are a new, he is a new creation. We are new creations. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you. I love this. Paul's speaking as the body. We implore you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled for God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me pray for us this morning. Would you just receive the Spirit this morning? Say, Spirit, I want you this morning. Holy Spirit, You are the mission, the missionary 
emphasis of God, filling us with the breath of life, empowering us to do what we cannot do on our own. Spirit, I ask that you fill us as your church, as your body, with the breath and the life of Christ that we might share it in everywhere we live, work, and play. That in all things, you would make us new creations, sent ones. That we might, like Peter and James and John, be empowered by the Holy Spirit, like Stephen who was so filled by the Spirit that it enraged the world around them because they were convicted of sin, convicted of their opposition of Jesus. We would die to ourselves. That we would share and show the good news of Jesus through our broken and needy lives. We need you this morning. We need you every morning we wake up. We need you to make it through each day, to live the life that you have called us. Would we be reminded of that good news today? That is good news that we need you. We cannot do this on our own. We're not supposed to do it on our own. God, remind us of that this morning. Father, thank you for loving us, for adopting us into your family. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way to serve, helping us to see like you, that we may serve like you. Spirit, we ask for your power today to live out this missionary identity we cannot do on our own. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So as week three of this series of our baptismal identity as a family of servant missionaries, right? we talked each week about these four questions. Can anybody tell me these four questions we use to look at, help get us the identity, but they're also the way we just look at scripture. What's the first question? Who is God? All right, bonus star for Han Sol up here. He's got one gold star. What's the next question? What has God done? All right, who is God? What has he done? What's his character? What's he like? He, he flows, he lives out of his character. He does who, what he is. Then, then what's the third question? I'm looking over here, anybody over here? Anybody know? Third question, who is God? What has he done? Who are we? Who are we? Right? And the fourth question, we talked last week about the danger of living in this fourth question only. What are we to do? Right? Where we just want to learn, like, tell me what to do. And we become justifiers of our action. Who is God? What has he done? Who are we? Right? If you're more of an individualist, who am I? Like, who am I? What do I get to do? And then what do we do? What do I do? So God's character defines God's action. God always acts out of his character. God's action makes us who we are, and then we act out of that identity, that character, his character. So we've looked through it, uh, through all three persons of the Trinity, right? Talking about it in terms of our baptismal identity. So we are baptized in the name of a Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is Father, he has made us, he has adopted us as children. We are part of the family. Whether you like it or not, once you come into faith, you become a part of a family. And if you don't think there's any weird people in the family, you're the weird one. 
If you think they're weird ones, you're weird as well. Everybody's weird in this family. And then he brings us together and we have this identity as family members, part of the family of God. So we live that out by treating each other as brothers and sisters, right? And then God the Son, Jesus, our Savior King, he served us on the cross ultimately, but also in many other ways, right? So that part of our identity not only is that we were served first of all, but that we were made servants, so we serve one another. We become servants to one another, servants to the world around us. Like we said last week, we cannot serve like Jesus until we see like Jesus. We begin to look at the world around us with the eyes of Christ that sees the world around us, the broken, the needy, the lost. It doesn't look at you, oh, they're below us. It goes, no, we are like them. We too need Jesus. We want to serve the world around us. And so this week we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in the name of the Spirit. So the Spirit is, uh, the, the Spirit of God bears witness to the truth about God, right? We see that if you read uh, John 14, 15, and 16, some beautiful pictures of what the Spirit does, right? We talked about uh, just a few months ago at Pentecost, the importance of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. So with this picture, the Spirit is God bearing witness to the truth about God. It helps us do that same thing. Therefore, so just like the Holy Spirit was sent to fill the, the, the believers there at Pentecost, we are sent ones as missionaries, right? The way uh, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit, so too we are sent to go on mission. So our identity is as a missionary. And then our activity is mission, is to go out. Or you might hear it this way, evangelism or bearing witness or sharing the gospel. And so most of us begin to hear that and we're like, oh, I don't like that. Like, I like the idea of mission. Let me go do something. But what I want to do is like kind of my own thing but there's this mission that we've been sent on. And what I would say from my own experience in my own life, in the life of this church, family and servant are easy to get people to join into. Like people might reluctantly come into family, but they generally like the idea of family. I like people that know me and love me and will care for me and I get to love and care for other people. And we're usually on one side of that. Like I either like to receive that or give that, but that's a picture of family, we love that. I would say that's the easiest one, I don't know, not the easier one or two. Serving and family are, are also two of the ways we most willingly do it. Because most of those things we can also do in our power. Though I don't think we can fully do it the way God has intended to do it, apart from the Holy Spirit's power. But the next one, the thing that's most difficult, I see this in our missional communities, I see it in my missional community, I see it in my own life. I said, the idea of being on mission, to be a missionary identity, is much more difficult to actually live out, right? Immediately, we begin to look at the gifts and go evangelism. If we're talking about evangelism or about sharing the gospel, someone has the gift of that. And so if they have the gift of that, those are the people that go do that. My job is I like to serve, I like to be behind the scenes. I don't like to be pointed out or known. So there just seems to be this brick wall between the servant identity and the family identity and leaning into the missionary identity. And so, just think about it for a moment. What keeps us from stepping into that missionary identity? Just think about it for yourself. What keeps you from wanting to share the gospel? What keeps you wanting to, to move and be a part of the mission of God? 
Like there may be all kinds of things that stir up into you, anxiety of speaking or sharing the good news or saying what's out there, right? Part of what we, we do here is to root these ideas into identity, not just activity, right? So we're saying that part of your essential identity is that you are missionaries. When you become this new creation, is that you become a missionary. Every single one of us, every believer, why Jesus was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is a picture that we need all of it. And he tells us, again, to go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, this full identity. And that we become that. We become missionaries. So why is, what is the stumbling block? Why don't we do it? Is it that we don't know how? Is it that we're afraid? Is it that we don't know what to do or where to do or who to talk to? How can we get to heart of the mission of the issue so that we can get on mission, right? Everybody knows we're supposed to do it, right? If I start saying already, we can start feeling the guilt. Yep, I should have said these words over here. I haven't done this. So it's not a question of knowledge, like of knowing that I should do it. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know that you should go out and tell people about Jesus. So I'm not saying something new today like, oh wow, I didn't know that. I'm not putting on to you something you've never heard about. So as we're thinking and looking at 2 Corinthians 5, I just want to take a moment, like take a step back for a moment, that what is our mission, right? What's the mission that we begin? If we, if we would say that we know that we should be on mission, what is the mission? For it to go backwards, Matthew 28, right, tells us our mission is to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you till the end of the age. I'm going to be, you're not doing this on your own. Don't go do it on your own. He even tells them again, right, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And when, that, when he comes, you're going to be my missionaries, my, I'm going to, my sent ones to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's what it looks like. We understand that, right? But what is, it, what is a, a, a definition of evangelism that might not, like, freak us out? when we think about it. Because when we use that word evangelism, all of a sudden it becomes like, <gasps> I've got a, like some special way, I've got to know some special phrase, I've got to have this, this method or reason to be able to do this, right? And so here's a simplified version and maybe a little less simplified version of the two. The most simplest way I could see it is evangelism is being human in public and then explaining why. It's being human in public and then explaining why. Here may be the little extrapolated version. Evangelism is being human in public in such a way that requires a gospel explanation. It's gotta go back to why did I get here? How did I become this new creation? How am I living the way that I'm living and empowered by the Spirit? It requires me to point back to Jesus and the way I can do that is empowerment by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's power. So here's what I mean. Number one, to be human. So we've stepped back to the first mission, but that wasn't the first time we've been given a mission. Can you think back before then? Where were we called? Where were we given mission? Where's the earliest place we were given a mission? In the garden. Genesis 1. Right? So this identity isn't some after, um, an identity after uh, Jesus gets here. This missionary identity is from the beginning, and Jesus was simply reminding us, he's like restating, this is where you were created, this is how you were formed, this is what you were meant to be. So hear it this way from um, Genesis. 
says that God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So two things to see out of this. One, we believe that God made us and that our essential selves, God's intention in creation was to make us bearing his image. That he stamped us with his image so that when people see us and that our words and activity, our thoughts would actually reflect the creator in our Genesis 1 self. So to think of it this way, it's to the degree that a finite human being can reflect an infinite God, that's what we're called to do. Right? So even in our, in our finiteness, right, we can't be all of God. That's what I think is why we need all of us. Because God is so beautiful, we are both image bearers of him individually, but it takes all. That's why every nation, tongue, tribe will be a part of God's recreation. Because that's the way it was meant to be that all would be a part of that, right? So then when we skip ahead two chapters or, or, or to chapter two or to chapter three, and we see that into the world and kind of mar and distort the image of God on us. Now, we never stop essentially bearing the image of God. Hear that. Being human never stops being image. We never stop being image bearers. That's never taken away from us. He never goes, oh, you've gone too far. You don't get to bear my image. Sin doesn't have the power to take away God's image from us. Satan can't do that. We never stop becoming that. That never comes out of it. There's never a cost like that. God's image on us is indelible. It never goes away. But the way a mirror reflects the one in it, a broken mirror reflects brokenly, right? And that's more of what this looks like. We're still image bearers. We're broken image bearers. So that's why we need all of our humanity. To be human means we're broken. We don't come all fixed and pretty and go, here's the best image of looking like God. No, it's me, broken and needy and messy and God using me to go, hey, look, he can use anybody. He's coming in that way. We never stop bearing the image of God. Sin is not that powerful. So we only reflect God in part, but we still retain the essential image bearing. The point being this, God made us to bear witness to him simply by being who we were created to be, who you were individually created to be. You were bearing witness to God. Every single person ever created is doing that. They're bearing image to some piece and creator of God. They're image bearers of that. It's not as, it's not as if God says, okay, now you're humans. Humans, I need you to do this thing that's separate from who you are. But yet how often do, do we feel that need to be something other than who we are? rather than being perfectly us. One of my most encouraging pieces, I was just telling Jill this this morning, been reflecting on this, being with Tyler Daniel, he just encouraged me to keep being me, to being the me God created me to be, not the pressure I feel from somebody else or even for myself to be something different, to be fully me. And when I am fully me, when you are fully you, that's when God can use you as the image bearer. When we're trying to be something other than who we are, He's not able, like, it's, it's, it's distorting, it's making it more difficult. 
So the degree we are like our Genesis 1 self, God's intention in creation is to the degree we are our Genesis we are naturally bear witness to those to who God is by reflecting his image. So the more we are like who we are, not trying to be some perfect image, right? Not having it all together, just being us. The most real we are, right? When we are the realest us, that is when God is most glorified in us. He's using us the most. Not when we've got it all together and everybody goes, there's nothing wrong with them. No, when they see all of our mess, right? Right? For guys, like guys, it's when your flies down, you're like, oh, wait, that's me still. Like, I'm still a mess. You know? I think of my sisters and mom growing up when your slip was showing. Like, you're not perfect. You mess up. You're like, there's no, you don't have it all together. Right? You don't have, you're just not, you don't, you're not that way. Don't try to pretend you are. So the second half of this is that God gives, hum, gives humans a job. He, we're image bearers, and he says that you're to have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion to care for, create, cultivate, and create. That we're underneath God, a kind of caretaker of God's creation. So we see in this very first chapter of the whole Bible that God says we will naturally reflect him, we will naturally bear witness to him, and so far that we are uh, like he made us to be. And I want you to hear that before we just move on to this, you know, go fruitful and multiply. You being you, for the, the world needs you in Christ. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need a perfected you already, an already perfected you. Because you know when that's going to happen? It's not ever going to happen until God, he says, I will continue working. It's not like we, he's going to keep working on something. Eh, I'm done. And then you just keep living a perfected life here. All the way to the end. In fact, we're sitting with that guy, Joe. He's like, you know what I think it is? He just keeps perfecting us into eternity. That even through eternity, we just keep being more, made more and more into the image of Jesus. Like, that's beautiful. I don't like a day that we reach the finish line. It's just like more and more and more and more we become like him. So our responsibility and our vocation is to care for, to love, to cultivate and create the rest of God's creation, right? So in the midst of this, when we get to this part, this mission we have, this is where it starts getting kind of hard and messy, right? So I just want to take a second to address how those who are not Christian, those who do not follow Jesus, might see or have experienced followers of Jesus living out our call or mission, right? So for us in this room, it might not feel that odd for us to do that, right? We can talk about it here, but for someone who's never heard about Jesus or understands what it means to follow Jesus, evangelism or sharing our faith or telling others of the good news of Jesus can seem like, why are you doing that? That's so rude. Like, you're telling, you're saying that there's a way to do this, right? And, and maybe, I mean, honestly, it might feel like weird, like on the best sense. Like, why would you do that? I don't, like, no one goes around doing that. To the extreme might be feel deeply offensive that you would even uh, suggest that there's a way that I should go that's not my own. So that's why I want to address this for a second, because I know that to some degrees, other feel it's arrogant of us to share the gospel, to try to evangelize, to try to be on mission, to try to help them or make them feel the way about God that we do, or to see the world that we see it. So I want to say first that we might, Christians might have arrogantly tried to do evangelism, and there ought to be, especially in the Christian faith, zero room for arrogance. There's nothing to be arrogant about us. It's, I grew up, uh, kind of in this Baptist tradition, and as I came to more of a Reformed tradition, there was just like, oh, God chose me. It was just like, oh, I'm chosen. 
And if I'm a chosen one, you're not chosen. I'm chosen, you're not. And then we can easily get into this like, you know, puff it up like, oh, hey, God chose me. That's arrogance. When we see amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me, there's nothing to, no one's standing up and going, look at the wretch I am. Look at the horrible person I am. There's no room for arrogance in Christianity, in following Jesus. It's only because of his faithfulness. The very foundation of our faith is that God, of his own will, by his own goodness, created us. That once we were given a little bit of freedom, right? We take a little bit of freedom, go live out in the garden, just don't do one, you know, don't do this. What do we do? We rebel against him. We break the relationship with him, and then uh, we ruin everything. And it's only because God in his faithfulness and God's grace and God's unrelenting love for us um, crescendoed even into the cross where God himself died so that we might live and be the version he made us to be, that we might have the hope that one, might, uh, that one day uh, in the future there, that we will be restored to this fullness. There's no room in that story for arrogance. There's no room for it. So as Christians, if we're coming across any way as arrogant, we should repent from that. We're better because we've heard. If we've heard and believed, it's because the Spirit did it in us. It's not a work of our own. So some humility and grace might be the best way to approach someone not believing in Jesus. Second, we need to see that the, per, the, the reason why we have this kind of evangelism mandate or this mission mandate, it, uh, this thing that we think is so important to us because it literally talks about who you were made to be and what you are made to do, God has made us who we are, and God has given us vocation, this big V vocation or purpose for living. And it's our desire to help others see it too. So our job is not to convince them of some ideology. Our job is not to change their mind to agree with us or with our philosophy. Our job is not to reorient their character or their morals or their words or choices. It's to introduce others to the God who made them. He made them for something and to see that they were the kind, that they have been kind of brought under that story that ourselves by grace of God have at every turn, right? So that should be our heart. To bear witness to the image of God is to care deeply and responsibly for the rest of God's creation, man, woman, child, just as God does. That is our vocation, to be God's representatives here on earth, right? To be his ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because we've been reconciled. Not because we're better, but because he's already done that work in us, because the spirit has already been at work in us. So to care for and love and have the image and responsibility of God's creation that we would have because he has given us his image, we do that, we, when we do that, we reflect him. Paul speaks to this idea uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.16. He says, so from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The vision for salvation and then sanctification as a continuation of the work of, on, on the cross in our lives is to be remade into the men and women that God has created us to be, right? So sanctification is prehumanizing us as, as people. It's not making us less human. It's making us more the human we were called to be. That's what sanctification is which is needy and walking with God. In the, like, Adam and Eve were still needy in the garden. They were not without need. 
They needed God. But they, yet they chose to rebel against him. And so it's us being the most human. So when God saves us by the power of the cross, we are new. Paul says we are a new creation. This old self, this Genesis 3 product, this sin and death part is dead and we are functionally new. Now the work of drawing near to God is step-by-step work of drawing near to the Genesis 1, that beginning the way we were created. Right? So this, this puts a burden of credibility on our character and our interior life, right? How are we actually living out this identity? So our first foot forward is our life is in our humanness, which has two sides to it, right? One is to the degree which we reflect God, and then when we fail, we fail to reflect God, as we will all do, it's walking in the gospel, which is essentially that we remember forgiveness. Like, so it's like to walk out that image of God, but also to know what's gonna happen. We're gonna do it imperfectly, and his grace is still there for us. Follow, be your image bearer, and walk that out. And when you do, it's gonna still, it's gonna, you're still gonna mess up. And God, that doesn't go, God's like, oh, you messed it up. You messed it up. So two examples of this, right? Of what this might look like for us to live this out, what this might look like. And, and I'll, I'll give you the first example first, and I feel like it could be a little bit like, like why, why would we compare ourselves like, like, I always imagine, and this is just my, um, when I go into like a big event, what would I do if something bad happens here? What would I do? And, and that question is like, would I run to help other people or would I just take care of myself? Right? So the images that come to my mind, you know, um, just last week was 9-11, like the, the men and women running in to the trouble, running in to go, we've got to help others. Right? That's that imagery. And, I, and again, I don't want to create some superhero archetype deal. There's like, but what are we going to do in that? And I think as, as missionaries, we're taking that posture to go, hey, we know that everybody's running actually to trouble. And so part of it, we're flagging down and go, hey, stop going that way. You need to go this way. You need to come follow me. You're going the wrong direction, right? So the other way this picture showed out to me this last week was even just as we were um, going to the airport in Denver, if you've never been to Denver airport, uh, the security line there is crazy, right? And it's like you're walking all through the whole airport to get through it. And so we were being good guys by following the signs, you know, this way to the uh, security line. What the, when we knew, there's this good moment right here. It's like, if we just go down the escalator, we'll be at the end of the line. But the signs tell us to go over this way. And so we walked all the way to the other end of the airport, got to that sign, said, go this way. We walked all the way to the other end of the airport. Guess what? Said, go downstairs, went downstairs and went all the way back to where we could have started over here. So we get in the line, we're like, I, I knew we should have just gone down. We're, we're nervous. Like, I've never been this close ever uh, to missing a plane on Friday night. <laughs> Joel's like, rolling. I don't know what would have happened if we had missed that. We'd have gotten in at like 10 o'clock. It would have been just a little later. Um, but we get in line, and this amazing picture kind of started happening. As we're walking through the line, this lady starts coming through the line. She's like, hey, you worried about missing your flight? You worried about you're not going to make it? Come follow me. I'll take you to this clear station. I'll sign you up. It's free trial. You'll get out of here. Promise it. This lady is promising us to get out of there quickly, right? So there's kind of two boats in this, right? There's a bunch of us looking together like, one, I've already done this before. It's not as easy as she's talking about. 
because I got to fill out a bunch of paperwork. By the time I do all that, guess what? I'll still take about this much time. But it sounds great, right? And there's, some, there's one girl that's like, I'm about to miss my plane. I will go right now. I will follow you there. Take me to there. And she take her, took her up there. Um, by the grace of God, she did get there a little bit faster than us, right? But what this lady was doing, we were like, this is amazing. Like, she's doing the right thing. Like, this line is like forever long. And everybody's like, I, I gotta, I'm worried about getting to my plane. And she's coming and going, hey, I've got another way. There's another way through this. There's another way around this. And so what even we were doing was helping the people behind us, the other guys on our trip, saying, hey, you might need to think about looking at the other gate if you can go through that way. Or hey, if you're gonna come down, go straight down the escalator, don't follow the signs, right? We're beginning to warn people. Hey, don't do this because we're worried. So these two pictures, I think, are images of what it's like to be on mission, to be a missionary, is to be the one kind of going against the flow, what everyone's doing, saying, hey, there's another way here. God has got something for you, right? The result of being a Christian in the world would be stepping out and saying, hey, you don't have to go the way, right? It doesn't have to be confrontations, right? That lady wasn't going yanking us out of line saying, fum, follow me, you've got to get out of here, right? She wasn't forcing anybody to do it. She's just speaking the truth that she knew. Here it is. Hey, I've got another way out of here. Did some people like us look at her and think, yeah, you're crazy, you're just trying to get my money? Yeah. But she was doing what her mandate, what her job was to go out there and just tell them people that, like, and she had a captive audience, people that needed to get out of there. It's the same picture for us. We have a world that is looking, what, I, they're looking for their meaning, their purpose, who I am, what should I be doing with my life? And we have the answer to that. We have that answer. It's not an answer, it's the answer. It is the good news. So we must be willing to go against the flow to share this news with people who are heading the wrong way, who are heading to destruction, right? Jesus talks about that. Wide is the road and easy is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way. So our job ought to be out there flagging people down saying, hey, this is the way. This is the way. I know it seems like that's the way, but it's not. Just because everybody's going there, it's not. There's other way around here. To sit back and do nothing, that is not living out our missionary identity. That's not what Jesus tells us in the Great Commission where he says to go and make disciples of all nations. But hold fast to the vision for human flourishing to say that this vision of what humans were made to be is to go against the tide of culture, allowing those interactions to happen is what he's called us to. Paul says later in 2 Corinthians that we are to endure anything and everything, that uh, there ought to be no obstacles, that there should be no resistance to you trying to stop people from heading the wrong way. Like we make those obstacles up. We are going, we're seeing those. Knowing the truth about who God is and the goodness of his heart for humanity, that we, should, we would intentionally go the other way, not to shame people, but to make sure that they know that there is another way. That's why we've been put here. To say, hey, there's another way. See it by how I'm living my life. See it by the words and the things that I'm saying. Even if the world is going against us, nothing will deter us from our goal. Nothing will deter us from our vision for human flourishing. Even uh, it's going right into the heart of the oncoming wave, right? Even if it means like going right into the hardest thing. So Mirzlav Volov, a Yale professor, wrote a book called The Public Faith, and he says, um, I think it's a brilliant way to, uh, to like bring this idea together. He says, engagement 
And he's talking about missional engagement, evangelism in this way. Engagement is not a matter of either speaking or doing, not a matter of either offering a compelling intellectual vision or embodying a set of alternative practices. It's not a matter of either merely making manifest the richness, the richness and depth of the interior life or merely working to change the institutions of society. It's not a matter of either only displaying alternative politics as gathered uh, by the church celebrating or merely working for change as the dispersed people of God. It is all of these things and more. The whole person in all, all aspects of their life is engaged in fostering human flourishing and serving the common good. It's telling that there is no part of your life that ought not preach the gospel. There's no part of our life that's not a part of that. Everything is aligned with God's vision for uh, our humanity and our flourishing will collide, every piece of it, with what the world is saying, right? So we're to go headlong against the flow, um, no matter what, falling after God. And so this week, as I'm thinking about this message and how to like, proclaim this message to us as ambassadors, as ministers of reconciliation, I was talking to Tyler Daniel about it. And I was like, I just don't, none of you really good ideas about what that looked like. And just begin to think like, what does it just look like to be filled by the Holy Spirit? That's what he's encouraged. Like, what would it look like just to be missionaries filled with the Holy Spirit? And so this question came to me, first of all, is do we have any friends that are not Christians? Can you look in your life right now and think of, a man, a woman, a child, a friend, an acquaintance, a coworker, a neighbor that is not a believer. And if you do, then invest in them. Be curious about them. Get to know them. Hear their story. Ask them about themselves. Love them. Serve them. Pray for them. Pray specifically for an opportunity to speak the good news of Jesus, the gospel, right? Pray for that opportunity. And sometimes we get so like, oh, what if I don't say the right words or if I mess it up, right? This summer at youth camp, like, guy came up to me, one of the leaders, like, man, I, I want to share my faith, but I'm nervous about it. And like, I'm so glad you guys are here so that you can do it. You guys can do this for me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going to mess it up. Our words are not that powerful. Our words are not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. You're not going to deter somebody by your words. Now, now you might off-put them. You might, um, you know, make them upset with you because you're rude or arrogant. But you cannot be more powerful in your words than the Holy Spirit. You can't. It doesn't happen. So. If we have non-Christian friends, the idea is to begin, pray specifically for an opportunity to speak the good news of Jesus, right? Like this is the picture of what we talked about at our missional dinner the other night. Like who are those people and begin to pray for them? Who are they? Who are the people that need to hear the good news? How, God, give me that opportunity. Recognize that your identity as a missionary and an ambassador means you will inevitably open your mouth and explain why you're living like you're living. I don't have to tell you how to be an evangelist, honestly. If there's something you like, you talk about it. I can look across the room and know things that people like to talk about because I've been with you, right? And you know what I would love to talk about, right? 
And so when people meet me and know I like to smoke meat, they're like, oh, tell me about barbecue. Oh, I'll tell you about barbecue. We can talk about barbecue all day long, right? You hang around Mark or Tom and you're gonna start talking about music and different movies that I've never even heard of in my life before. I'm like, I don't even know what these are. And I love it. I love them getting excited about it. And you think about what you get excited about, you talk about. So what we're needing is the Holy Spirit to embolden us, to get us excited about what God is doing in us. Why sharing evidences of God's grace is so powerful because it leads us out to be missionaries. When someone asks you, why are you doing this? Right? The coffee shop on, on, Thursday, on uh, Thursday morning, when we're meeting there with Joe, lady asks us, why are you here? Really easy discussion starter. I'm here to talk about living in a different way with my friends here, and we're getting to meet this older guy, and he's gonna share with us how he's been living this way following Jesus. I didn't have to present some amazing gospel plan right there, but I'm, I'm planting the seed of the gospel. It didn't lead to any other questions, but it sure could have. And all I did was honestly say why I'm here. And that's not because I'm the pastor and I can just do that. That's anybody can do that. To explain why we're living why way, the way we are. We do this all the time. The question is, do we actually think that the good news of Jesus, that the gospel is good news? Part of the times we just tell us, other people won't like to hear that. Other people won't want to hear about it. It might not be good news to them. I promise you it is good news to them because they, no, they get to be fully human, fully themselves the way God created them. They don't have to be some other person. He's making them into the new creation that he was meant, they were meant to be, right? So the vision that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians 5 culminates in verse 20, right? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? This is appeals to, is, is to live out this ambassadorship. Like this idea that we've talked about before to, to work to reunite estranged family members to be brothers and sisters who live among us, right? Who don't know our father and are estranged from our good and gracious father. Our goal is to say, hey, let me tell you about how good God is. Let me show you about how good he's been to me even when I didn't deserve it. I know you were made for him. Let me re reunite him, you with him. Right? Those are some of the most beautiful stories, right? When we watch, like a reuniting of a, a father and a son, right? Man, you, you want to make me cry? You start showing those videos of, of um, servicemen and women coming back home? I, I can't handle it. When I hear him say, Daddy! Because you see they're longing and they're missing them. And when you see, like, I just wish I were with you. I've been missing you. That's what people really are feeling about God. They just have a broken image of him. Some of that broken image is from us, but he can restore that. What a beautiful picture would look like if the world around us saw God and said, that is my father, Abba Father, Daddy, I want you, I need you, thank you. We get to be ambassadors of that, to say, God really loves you. 
God loves you in your mess and your brokenness. You know why? He loves me in my brokenness and mess. No, I didn't get all perfect and come to him. He met me where I was at and he, he called me into a relationship with him and I will never be the same. He wants to do that with you too. I pray that we would be a people speaking this good news. This is good news. So I just want to end this morning with a prayer for the Holy Spirit to empower us on his mission to wherever we live, work, and play. That we would get the chance to be ambassadors like he's called us to be. And that what that might look like, again, think back to those first date, those that big, that picture in Acts, as the Spirit falls on those disciples up in the ro- upper room, and as they go out and just begin to declare, "Hey, what are they saying? They're just telling the truth that Jesus that you crucified, He's your Savior." I mean, that's a much harder message than what we're even talking about today. But it's the message they needed to hear, and maybe the message our neighbors and our coworkers need to hear is like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but God loves you. And he wants to meet you right where you're at and wrap you in his love and make you into a new creation, into his image, and he wants to give you that. That we get to be the ones speaking that good news as ministers of reconciliation because we've been reconciled, we might be able to help others be reconciled to him. And so this morning, a simple prayer for the Holy Spirit to empower us on his missions, on his mission to wherever we live, work, and play. Do you know someone who doesn't follow Jesus? If you don't know, first pray for God to put them to show, they're there. They're everywhere. They're next door, they're down the street, they're down the hall, they're across the road, they're in the gas station. It might be random people, it could be people you see every day. God, show me who I just need to share this love of God with. Empower me with that, right? The early church just keeps asking for that power. Let's not stop asking for that power. So this morning, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to empower us on his mission to wherever we live, work, and pray. Holy Spirit, Would you move among us in a way that can only be described as a work of you and your love through your image-bearing new creations? That we might, as we go along the way that leads to destruction as we turn up the road and just begin to declare there's another way, there's another way, there's a Father who loves you, who wants to help you and save you and lead you into righteousness, into a life of fullness in Him. Would you empower your broken and needy people to be filled by your Holy Spirit, to be images of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into the world around us? 
Holy Spirit, we need you. Just as we need the Father, just as we need the Son, we need you to boldly declare and display the goodness of Jesus in the world around us. God, help us to do that in our brokenness, in our mess. Spirit, we need you. We ask you to give us the words to say, the eyes to see like Jesus, the heart of our heavenly Father, to love the world around us, to serve them in their need, and to share the good news they need to hear. Help us to be a family of servant missionaries that you've called us to be to live out this identity. Spirit, I need you. We need you. Amen.